Do you ever go into the kitchen, open the fridge, and you're looking for a particular item, and scan the shelves, and you open the freezer and look in there, and you scan the shelves again, you close the door, and you go, I thought that was in there. And your wife says, well, it is. And I, I said, well, I just looked. And she goes, well, look again. So I go look, and I can't find it. I go, I, I know it's here. So she walks in and hands it to you. It's like, well, there it is, right there. We often do that with our Bible. We find ourselves in dire straits. We find ourselves in, we are struggling with maybe a particular problem or a situation. And we look everywhere except where we should look. We have a Bible. And the question is, why aren't we using it? What is the Bible for? Is it just a big old doorstop? Is it just something to decorate our coffee table or top of the television? What, what do we use the Bible for? What have you done with the Bible? I believe with the Bible, in a search for God, you can find him in those pages. And when we look for God, he has promised that we will find him. And so it's just fascinating to me to think that the greatest gift, God is one of the greatest gifts God's given to mankind, is his written word. Without his revelation, without the exposure to his mind, the way he thinks, the way he treats people, the way his justice works and his mercy and his grace, we don't have that information unless we open the Bible. And so when we're looking for God, when we're seeking for him, when we're asking for him, when we're looking diligently, don't forget to look in the most obvious place, the Bible. Don't forget that. With the Bible, we find that the scripture tells us some things about it. First of all, the Bible displays God's love for us. It's immense. The very fact that he created us is a description of his love for us. He has created us in his image. And when we think about that, uh, that idea of being created in his image, what comes to your mind? Well, I was reading a book recently. Uh, William Wilberforce wrote this. And I just want to share this with you because it's so uh, spot on as far as the, the concept of being created in God's image. Here's, here's what uh, Mr. Wilberforce had to say. Think about the amazing capabilities of the human mind. We have the power to invent, to reason, to make judgments, remember the past, make decisions in the present, and plan for the future. With the ability to discern, we do not merely understand an object, we can admire it, especially if it reflects something of the beauty of moral excellence. Emotionally, we have the ability to fear and hope experience joy and sorrow, empathize and love. With the will, we can exercise courage to do hard tasks and exert patience to stay the course. With the power of conscience, we can monitor the thoughts and desires of our hearts and use reason to regulate our passions. We are truly amazing creatures. That's the idea. That's this idea that we're created in God's image. And yet, what do we see around us? Well, we see chaos. We see fear. We see angst. We see anger. We see oppression. We see 
all the bad things. Turn on the news for five minutes and you'll see all sorts of evil. And yet here we are created in the image of God. And what's the problem? Well, we've forgotten him. We've let go of him and, and removed ourselves from his divine inspiration, his revealed will. We have what we're looking for. It's called the Bible. We have it. The problem is we haven't used it because the Bible describes itself this way. It is uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is active. It is alive. It is able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the human heart. It can cut to the bone. The Bible describes itself this way. And because of that, now we are accountable to it. Jesus would say, by these words, you'll be judged. And so when we begin looking for God, when we're in, our, in a search for God, let's not forget the most obvious place to look. Look into his word. The wisest man in the world, Solomon, Remember when he asked God, he says, I, I'm, I'm young, I'm inexperienced, I need help, I need guidance. God says, you ask me anything, ask for anything, I'll give it to you. And Solomon, because of his youth, he said, I need the ability to discern good from evil. I need wisdom. Yes, you do. And God said, well, because you've asked for this and not gold and silver, I'll give you wisdom. And imagine God giving that to Solomon. All right. So when we have that as the foundation, Solomon would say something like this. When everything's seen and heard, when everything has been tried, we've went every direction. We've looked every place. We've looked at every shelf in the refrigerator. We've, we've looked at every book on the shelf. I, I, I despise these Bible class teachers these days that ignore the scripture and they go to all these other sources. It's like, seriously, go to the source. You're right there. Go ahead and read it. Go ahead and study it. And Solomon said, when everything's seen and heard, when everything's been tried and we've failed at virtually everything else, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. Oh, that's it. That's it. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, the scripture isn't silent about that either. The idea of having a proper respect and admiration and awe, reverence for God. That's that word fear. And if we are told to keep his commands, it should motivate us to understand what those commands are. And where do we find that again? Oh, that's right. The scripture. We are looking everywhere for answers and we've been given exactly what we need. We call it the Bible. It's just a Greek word for the book. And the definite article distinguishes it from any other book. It is very unique. It is the very breath of God. It's his mindset. It is how he deals with people. It's how he has dealt with nations and will deal with nations. And he says, this is where you'll find the information that you need. Now, let's go to one particular book. In fact, one particular chapter. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, 
Psalm 119 is a very interesting book, or excuse me, interesting chapter. It is 176 verses long. Yep, you heard me, 176. And there's a reason that it's that length. The psalmist, uh, and we're not sure if it was David or not, but imagine doing this with our alphabet. Taking each letter of our alphabet, we have 26 letters, and writing eight verses about each letter. And each verse begins with the letter A, and the next eight verses begin with the letter B, and the next eight verses begin with the letter C. Well, that's what the Hebrew writer, or excuse me, the psalmist did in Hebrew. Hmm. There's only 22 uh, characters in the Hebrew language. And so 22 times 8, if you're, if you're a math whiz, that's 176. Okay, there you go. That's why it's so long. And it took some time. Imagine doing that. And really, one of the themes as you read this, this 119th Psalm, all 176 verses, the key is the commands, precepts, the law of God. And he keeps reiterating it in a variety of ways, and it's beautiful. And I want us to look at just a few of things that this Holy Bible has for us. And we find it in just one chapter in the book of Psalms. Let's begin, and we'll just kind of hopscotch around in, in, the, in the 176 verses. But if, you, if you'll take your Bible and open it to Psalm 119, look at verse 72. What can we compare uh, what, with what can we compare the Bible? Psalm 70 or 119 verse 72 says, The law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Hmm. What's your most valuable possession? Is it your bank account? Hmm. What is it? The psalmist says, God's word he describes it in verse 72 as the law of your mouth, O God. <laughs> it's better than many pieces of silver and gold. And it, he doesn't stop there. Skip over to chapter or verse 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. He continues and he says, verse 128, therefore, I esteem right. All thy precepts concerning everything, I hate every false way. Go back to the very beginning, verse 24. Thy testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 28. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to thy word. Our attitude toward reading God's word should be that of something precious, something valuable, something with even more value than precious gold and silver, fine stones, gemstones, whatever whatever our passion is on this earth, we should look at God's word with those eyes. Verse 111, the psalmist has this to say, <clears throat> I have inherited thy testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Hmm. Our attitude toward the Bible when we view the Bible, it needs to have the, the preeminence in our life, a priority one emphasis in our life, more than gold and silver, more than the bank account, more than the 
the big beautiful home or the, the cars in the garage, all the stuff that we accumulate around ourselves. We should value God's word. What have you done with God's word? Have you bothered to read it? Have you opened it? Have you ever looked in there? It's more valuable than gold and silver. You see, there are times when we understand that God wants us to understand his will. And he says, I've given you everything you need. Just open the book. Open it and you will know what pleases me. You will know my will for you. But there's this radio station we're all tuned into. Oh, it's not serious. XM. No. It's not even FM anymore. It's not AM. What is that radio station? Well, it's, it has the abbreviation WIIFM. You ever heard of it? We're all tuned in to that radio station. WIIFM. Old preacher told me this once. Never forgot it. It stands for what's in it for me. <laughs> oh, that's the problem, isn't it? You see, we have this problem, self, and self keeps getting in the way. And we make the inquiry. We say, what do I get out of this? If I'm going to invest my time, if I'm going to invest my energy, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to open God's word, what's in it for me? Is there any benefit? Or is it just checking off something on a checklist and going through some motion? I, I'm faithful. I read my Bible every day. Is it just that? Or is there something of value there? What does the reading of the Bible and obeying it, what does it do for me? Now look, look back at Psalm 119, the first few verses. Verses 1, 2, and 3. Notice what the psalmist says. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. There's that little word, blessed. There's something in it for you. Reading and obeying God's word, it says in this these few verses, the psalmist says, it can make you joyful. You can be very blessed. You can be very full of joy. If we skip down to verse 9 in that same chapter, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. We have a song we sing, How Shall the Young Secure Their Hearts? Well, here's the answer. God's word. You want a pure heart? You want to have something that's, that's beautiful? You want to be uh, a part of that a society that we're made in God's image and we're, we're, we're created to do good works and be involved in good things and, and create and, and make our society better. Yeah, that's what God wants too. And he says, this is what I want to see from you. This is how I, I see all of this coming together. I want you to study my words. Each one of these words that are in the Bible are important. The question should come to you, why are those words there? And the answer comes back, there's a benefit for you. The biggest benefit 
is found there in verse 11, Psalm 119, verse 11. Here's the biggest benefit. Thy word I have treasured up in my heart that I may not sin against you. <laughs> That's the problem. Sin is the problem. God's arm isn't so short that he can't save. Its ear is not so dull that he can't hear. <laughs> so what's the problem? Why am I suffering, God? What's the problem? Isaiah says in Isaiah 59, verse 2, Your sin has caused a separation between you and your God. Your iniquity has caused him to stop up his ears. He's not listening anymore. Whose problem is that? Who's, whose fault is that? Oh, many people turn and blame God. Many people say, I'm turning my back on God. I'm going to blame him for all my problems. Problem is you. <laughs> and if we follow God's word, if we listen to his word, if we read it, ingest it, and then live it, it keeps us from sin. There's something in it for us. There are eight verses kind of at the very beginning, oh, it's not really the beginning, about verse 65. But there are eight verses in a row that I just want to read, just so you don't forget. This is a benefit for us listening to and obeying God's word. Remember, we're looking for God. We're searching for him. We're intently looking. And it's like we're going to that fridge and we're looking on every shelf. We're saying, where is he? And God says, I'm right here. Now, listen carefully. Psalm 119, beginning verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord. According to thy word, teach me good discernment and knowledge. For I believe in thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe thy precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Notice, it teaches us good judgment and knowledge. You ever have a situation where you don't know exactly what to do? You don't know which way to go? You don't, you don't know which way to turn? You see, if we understood God's will, if we understood God's word, if we've studied it, then we're given the direction, we're given the map, we're given the instructions that we need. Now, the question then comes back to us, are we willing and able to take the instruction? <laughs> I believe that's a valid question. Am I teachable? Because sometimes we're so tuned into that, that station of what's in it for me, we forget it's not all about me. It's about our obedience to him. It's about his will. Remember what Jesus said? He's facing the most painful death that a human being has ever had to face. Dying on a cross, bleeding or suffocating to death. And maybe a combination of those two. Can't imagine anything worse. Sometimes the crucified individual took him days to die. Jesus is looking toward that event. He knows it's coming. He knows it's going to be painful. He knows. He's God in flesh. Of course he knows. So what does he do? He says, 
not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus says, it's not me. It's God's will. It's the will of the Father. Now what? Hmm. You see, that becomes an issue. That becomes Jesus' love and his displaying of that love for us. There was something in it for us. And because of that, God says, I want you with me. I sent my son to die for you, and I've given you this information in this book, and now you have the information you need. So it teaches us good judgment and knowledge. And it does give us a much better life. Down at verse 92, If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for by them... You have revived me. I am thine. Save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider thy testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Thy commandment is exceedingly broad. God's commandments and reading and obeying gives us joy and life. Moses would say this years before. He would gather the people together before they entered the promised land. And he would make this statement. He would say, choose life. We've been given an option. We've been given an option to ignore God and his will and his word. But what is our response? Our response needs to be, choose life. God's word gives us that life. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for they for their testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. You know, when we see things from God's perspective, that makes us wise. How can we do that? How can we see things from God's perspective? We read his word. We search his word. Because there is wisdom. That's the source of wisdom. And when we begin our search for God, when we've Talk to him in prayer. We've opened up our life and our heart to him. And we said, please allow me to find you. And then we opened his word. We began to read it. And it became, like it says in Psalm 119, verse 105, it became a, a lamp to my feet. It became light in my path. I no longer stumble. I no longer am lost in the darkness. No, Jesus says, this is the true light, it's, it's me. Come to me, and I'll, I'll light up your life. And from Moses to the psalmist to Jesus, the message is the same. 
search for God, look for him in his revelation, in the word of God, in the Holy Bible. That's where it begins. And he's promised, if you search for me, you will find me. So when we begin our search, we begin in prayer, we talk to him, and then Isaiah, the prophet, would say, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now. You see, there's a limit to the time we have here. It may be today or tomorrow or next week. might be a year, 10, 20. But we're all terminal. And Moses... Psalmist, Isaiah, Jesus, they all agreed, while it's still called today, <laughs> come to Jesus. Don't harden your heart. Don't turn your back on him. Don't ignore the one place where you can find God. Look to him and find him. Pray for an obedient heart and a burning desire to read the scripture. And then open that book. And begin reading it. And you will find him. And he does love you. And he wants a relationship with you. So don't hesitate. Come to him today. Find him in the word of God.